Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, everybody. This week's guest is Jeff Vickers, author of Sober Slogans, Recovery Mottos We Love. It's available on Amazon. Jeff's a great guy. We had me and Raina had a really good conversation with him. Um, probably talked for a good hour and a half. Um, most of that's in the show. Uh, we touched on a lot of things, but the recurring theme of the conversation is spiritual synchronicity. Uh, this is the first of hopefully many conversations to come with Jeff because he's an amazing guy. Um, I would show you the book, but unfortunately, I bought the e-copy. Um, but it is an amazing book. I will put a link to it and um, and all of Jeff's stuff, his social media and everything, where to find him on Instagram, TikTok. He's doing big things. He's on Facebook Live every Saturday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. He's still, he's on Instagram. He's on Twitter. He's on TikTok. He's doing big things in the recovery community. He is recovering out loud because he got high out loud. That's his thing, and we want to give a shout-out to him. So we really hope you enjoyed the show. Um, we had a really good time making it this episode. Um, I mean, we've had a good time making every episode. But uh, this was a really good conversation. Jeff is a lot like myself. We're both talkers, and we love to share about what we got going on because we're both very enthusiastic about our recovery. So uh, enjoy the episode. Um, if you like it, Give us a thumbs up. Give us a follow. Uh, you can find us on Patreon, nolovepodcast.com. Thanks. Enjoy the show. So what's up, everybody? I'm here with Raina and Jeff Vickers from Sober Slogans. Uh, we'll have all his information uh, linked at the end of the show and in the show notes. But uh, what's up, Jeff? Welcome to the show. I'm, I'm, I'm too excited to be here. Hey. I love y'all already. I'm too excited <laughs> to be here. But what I like to talk about is spiritual synchronicity. <laughs> love it. Yeah. yeah. What I want you to do, if you don't mind, okay, so that we can let your community know where the thought even came from. I like to be as transparent as possible. So you let them know right before we press record what you shared with me and why we're speaking about this. Okay. Um. So, yeah, so... <clears throat> Right before we hit record, um, this is the first time me and Jeff and Raina have met. Well, not me and Raina, but Raina and I and Jeff are meeting. Uh, 
Jeff and I have talked back and forth and we've been following each other on Instagram for a while. Um, I bought his book, uh, through, uh, I didn't get yours yet. I'm not going to lie. Send me the link. <laughs> Tell me how you want me to get it from you personally, Amazon, whichever way. Let me know, brother. All right. All right. Um, and, uh, so before the show, we were, uh, he, he was telling me that he had just seen my message on Instagram telling him to pick a topic of what he'd like to talk about. And, uh, so he had, we were talking about, uh, spiritual synchronicity. So we decided to go with that. Um, before we get going with that, Jeff, uh, you want to tell people a little bit about yourself, about your book? Uh, is there anything you want them to know about you before we get started in the conversation? I love that. I appreciate that segue. Yeah, I'm Jeff Vickers. I am solidly living a thriving life in recovery. Okay, for 32 years, I suffered from a crack cocaine addiction because there was a vacuum within myself. All right. The only way I was able to fill that vacuum, honestly, is with a relationship with my higher power. Don't know what you choose to call your higher power or if you have one. If you don't, oh, I, sure. you know, that's on you. If you don't, you know, I was agnostically at uh, 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 I was an agnostic atheist for some time. You know, so I've come from one side of the spectrum to the other. And um, th- during my 32 years of, of crack cocaine addiction, I had three prison terms from 1990 to 92, from 93 to 96, from 99 to 2008. And every felony was based on stupidity because I was trying to get drugs or I got drugs and did something stupid as a result of using, right? Um, hmm, what can I say about where I'm at today? Let's fast forward, right? I'm 49. So if for 32 years I was, you know, strung out on crack cocaine, y'all can, y'all can think about, you know, how, um, hmm, how undeveloped my brain was. There's so many, you know, ways, so many places I can go with it. You know, when you start using drugs as a teenager, 16, 17 years old, you know, so that, that's what transpired for the majority of my life. I, had an epiphany. Can I fast forward or do you need to say, you want to say something? No, go ahead, man. I'm all ears. I'm, I'm loving it. How about you, sis? You need to say something? No, it's yeah. spectacular. Uh, yeah. Thanks. So I got to be, I got, okay. One thing about me, I need to be transparent. And what I mean by transparent, you can't tell everybody everything, you know how that go. But what I mean by transparency is when, when I speak about recovery, I don't fluff shit. My tagline on all my social media, okay, is I recover out loud because I use that loud. That's my public speaking tagline. That's my tagline. That's who I am. And, and, and the reason why I say that is because I was, the, and no one ever called me Crackhead Jeff. I call myself Crackhead Jeff. So when I refer to Crackhead Jeff, just know I used to call myself that, Right. When crackhead Jeff smoked crack, if police was standing across the street, I would smoke crack. When I wanted to smoke crack, if I'm standing at the gas station, because y'all know how that go, right? I'm at the gas station, police right around the corner telling them guys to go away. I'm smoking crack before they get around the corner. I smoked out loud. I used out loud. You know what I mean? If you lived in an area where I frequented, you know, uh, 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 using drugs, you'd be like, meow. Yeah, they chasing that guy again. Wow, this guy. Yeah, that was me. You know what I mean? Or you live in an area, you just like, hey, oh, yeah, we know. Yeah. 
Police got him again up in Dollar Tree stealing his stuff. You know, just that was me in a police car, right? <laughs> and it just, it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, you know, all that I've been through, right? I used out loud. I did not care. I didn't sugarcoat it. You know, um, again, today I'm 49 for, uh, I'm going on two years clean and sober. Previously, I was on a five-year binge. Thank God. That's a miracle, brother. Thank you, brother. All right. Uh, I, I was on a five-year binge. And during that binge, I I, I became somebody that I, I didn't know. I didn't know who he was, you know, because to be honest with you, it's it's crazy, right? I grew up, I grew up in the Bronx, New York, when uh, they're probably still doing it, but we would mix, we would mix either Coke or cocaine into either tobacco or marijuana, and they would call it different things. The Woolies. Exactly. My brother. Exactly. Jersey, bro. Okay. You already know, right? Yeah. Now, now definitely you get the double, you get the double, <laughs> you know, but yeah, we, we'd smoke Woolies back then or Woolies, right? I didn't smoke the pipe. I didn't smoke the pipe until probably a few years ago when I went on that five-year bench. Because even though I did three prison terms, I would smoke woolers, but I would go crazy with the woolers. And, you know, and people would tell me, like, you never better smoke. You, you, you don't ever smoke the pipe. You're going to, not you. And sure enough, I did when I went on that five-year bench. And, bruh, I was sleeping in the dumpster. I was sleeping in dumpsters at motels. In the dumpster. Not, not. Not in the little area around, you know, they got the little area in some places, you know, most places, especially motels, right? They try to have a little area around the dumpster so you don't just see the dumpster, you know, and you can uh, uh, open and close the door, whatever. Some people were sleeping there. Bro, I slept in the dumpster so I wouldn't be bothered. So if somebody came in there and looked around or whatever, whatever, they wouldn't see me in there. I'd, you know, I'd be in the dumpster. It got that bad for me. I was the guy that police, police would constantly kick me out of apartment buildings. They would never arrest me because I've never, I'm not stupid. I didn't have my stuff on me in case they woke me up, you know, and check me. I would never have stuff on me, but they knew what it was about. And they'd right. be like, bruh, we just, we know you're going through something. We don't want to arrest you. You never have stuff. You're always respectful, but you got to get your life together. Okay. So it took five years of me hearing that message. Five years of me hearing that message. And finally, my body gave out. My spirit gave out. My mm -hmm. mind gave out. When I get high, I don't stop. I mean, I'm, 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 and I'm fortunate that I was like that. That's the thing. I'm so fortunate that I was like that. I'm so fortunate that when, when the obsession hit me, that I came out the womb extra. I'm just extra, right? Mm -hmm. So I came out the womb extra. <clears throat> Feel me? Coming out the womb extra and then getting a, 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 a you know, an addiction, obsession is like, this. It's, it's insane. But when you get it, hopefully you can turn that obsession on its head into a purpose. And that's what I've done, right? Hey, I want to say something. Uh, it's funny you talk about it. It took you five years of hearing it over and over and over again. Uh, so this is my second round of, uh, clean and sober. The first time I made it for about five years, I made some bad choices, got married to the wrong person for the wrong reason, just trying to do what I thought I was supposed to do. Yeah. 
what other people were doing. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, bad. But anyway, uh, when I first got sober back in 2006, I got sober at this detox in Boulder. And uh, used to be the same home bums there all the time. Um, when I went to rehab because I was on parole. Uh, and uh, when I got out of rehab, I was staying at my sponsor's house. And him and his uh, wife used to take me to the Sunday morning meeting at the detox that I, used to, that I first started going to. It's where I met them. So for weeks we're going and every Sunday I'm talking to these same guys. And after about a month, Jennifer's like, she's like, Hey, go talk to the fellas. And I'm like, why? I was like, it's the same dudes all the time, all the time. And she said, everybody has this number above their head that only God can see. And she's like, that's the number of, that's the amount of times you need to hear something before it clicks. You may not hear it. It that many times in your life and it may not come back till next time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, she's like, but that's why we don't give up. She's like, that's why we carry the message. So yeah. I just wanted to touch on that. So I'm a big, you know, this goes back to the synchronicity thing, bro. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. we're getting there though. So yeah. I, I'm that is, that is the topic. Everything we yeah. speak about is going to be about <laughs> that. Whether you see it or not, maybe later you'll see the synchronicities, right? Get it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Five years, five years, it was it was bad, you know, because from 99 to 2008, I was in prison. I came down to um, Atlanta, Georgia, because, and again, I'm from New York, but I came down to Atlanta, Georgia, because I was thinking about getting back into the music business prior to me being arrested in 99. You know, I was, yeah, I was in the music business. <laughs> I was getting in trouble left and right. I, I I wasn't getting high, but my actions showed. If you watch, be like, yeah, he's definitely going to be on something. This guy crazy, right? I mean, I'm stealing music and selling Mary J. Blige and Keith Sweat music. And don't know if y'all know who that is, right? I I, I hope y'all do, right? So I used to work for Uptown Records and Bad Boy Records is what I'm talking about, right? So back then, I wasn't getting high, but the stuff that I did, because we speak about behaviors, the stuff that I, it was just crazy, right? So when I came home in 2008, you know, that was, that was the plan. The reason why I came down here in the first place, maybe I could get back into the music business, right? I literally was thinking about working, <coughs> excuse me, at Def Jam, right? So, so deaf in the Def Jam, you know, little thing they had. That didn't happen, right? <laughs> I became a DM of a few firehouse subs, the franchise. And then I went through depression. And then I was going through so much stuff with me and my my ex-wife. And our relationship wasn't, you know, and I wasn't sober. Let's, let's keep that in mind. I wasn't getting high. I wasn't using nothing. I smoked cigarettes. But I wasn't sober. Big difference. Okay? So, uh, 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 you know, we eventually got separated. And when we got separated, I lived 15 minutes away from her and my children. And we basically kept the same routine instead of, you know, except for me, you know, being home. I'd come from work where I'm at. I'd come home. They knew I didn't live there. I'd do the same routine with the, the reading the books and the shower and everything. And then I'd go home, which was 15 minutes away. So the addiction came up because of abandonment issues. Because of my abandonment issues from when I was a child, which is, 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 you know, deep into my story, that came back up 
as far as my marriage is concerned, because you know, she's over there with, you know, both of my children, you know, and we went through a whole bunch of stuff and, and it's, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of sad the way it, 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 it is right now. Right. I literally just lost my parental rights, even though I'm living right now, but you know how that go. I got to get it together. Right. So my addiction kicked up. And I started feeling abandoned, even though I'm seeing her and my children. I felt abandoned. And I started selling marijuana, started selling cocaine, started using cocaine. Then I started smoking crack again. That was a five-year journey. But God blessed me on August 14th, 2020, right? Because like I said, when I get high, I can't stop. And when, when I, I don't even drink, I don't drink fluids, I don't eat. Like people around me is like, dude, you, 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 you slow down, please. <laughs> you, you, you know, you know how we would say you blowing my high, bro. <laughs> you blowing my high, bro. You just extra right now. I mean, you got white stuff on your mind. Come on. We playing spades. We chilling, you know, very few times was I ever in a, in a social environment where we, where we were using hard drugs and it was social. And everybody was getting along very few times, but you know, a couple of the times I'm sitting there out of control and they like, no, slow down. And I'm like, no, I, I don't do that. I have an obsessive personality. Once I start, I can't stop. I get arrested. I go to jail. I come home. I'm like, yeah, I'm a chill. And, 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 you know, I start again and it's crazy. So what happened was August 14th, 2020, my body gave out again, probably for the fourth or fifth time, but my body gave out and it gave out to the point where I felt like, and I speak about it in my book, where I was walking like the Tin Man because, you know, you're going for a couple of days, barely on fluids, barely on anything to eat. You know, your body starts locking up. So that's what it did. I came up with the bright idea of ending my life, for, you know, been trying to do that for like two decades. I'm not real good at it, right? But I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to walk in front of this bus. I'm not going to be able to move because my body locked up and it's going to be over. Sure enough, I start doing that. Next thing I know, somebody snatched me up and, you know, I have a moment, et cetera. And um, they bring me over to the motel I was staying at. I, I could barely even make it to that motel. Like, I kid you not. I was on the other side. I was, I was on this side of the street and like trying to get over there for like 30 minutes. And I was just, every time I tried to go, when the light turned green, I said, I can't even make it across the street. I can't even walk across the street. So that was when I was just like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to check out. Somebody saved me. Of course, we know that was God through human. And um, the EMT workers, when they finally got there and they started pumping me with fluids, the young guy was like, I've never seen, I, look at his stomach. It looked like the guy has beetles in his stomach. And the old timer was like, yeah, I only seen like two cases like this where somebody was that, you know, severely dehydrated. So they took me to the psych ward and in Atlanta, the famous hospital was Grady, Grady Hospital on the 13th floor and Grady Hospital is the psych unit. And on the 13th floor, what, what was it? Uh, 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 August 14th, because the 13th is when I went. So August 14th was my first fresh day. And early in the morning, I sat there and we on the 13th floor and I'm able to, you know, like really see Atlanta skyline, wake up. And, and God 
God spoke to me because, you know, even in the midst of me getting high, I kept crying, told, you know, crying to him, like, don't, please, don't give up, you know, I'm going through something, you know, I love you, you know, because during the time that I came home, like before I, before I relapsed from, uh, 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 uh what, 2008 up until I relapsed, I, I lived a very different life, you know? It was me, you know, the wife and the children and, and, and church a couple of times a week. And, you know, uh, 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 we did the newsletter for the church on three continents. And that was the lifestyle, you know, that I lived. So the addiction for all those years, mind you, I didn't get high since 1999. I did 10 years in prison, came home, and maybe I was home for like seven years before I relapsed. 17 years. And the addiction was like, ha, gotcha. You know, <laughs> just popped out that whole time, that whole time. Like <laughs> you even said it, man, like my whole thing, uh, you know, I'm not trying to cut you off. I'm, 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 oh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm the same. I started doing dope when I was like 12 years old because I was beaten, molested. And I avoided that for 27 years until I took my own life. And then through the grace of God, some friends revived me. And then I was met by a host of angels that told me it was not my time. And uh, so I knew that I had to do something different, you know, just like when you have, I'm, I'm sure you came to that realization that you're like, cause like when you do drugs for as long as we do and you go to prison and you get out and you go back to, whether you go back to the drugs or you go back to the behaviors. Cause I feel what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like that whole time that you wasn't using your addiction was on the weight pile, bro. It's getting swole, getting strong, feeding on all that trauma, that abandonment, that issues. And just waiting for its moment to strike like a black mamba, bro, slithering through the grass, bro. And you took the wrong step and it got you. Boom. Here you go. But you know what? Real quick. Thank God for it. Yeah. Because look where you are today. Yeah. We need the pain, bro. I appreciate you saying that. And you're going to say something in a second. You gonna say something in a second, little lady. You gonna say something. I'll pipe up at some point. Please do. <laughs> we, we we need the pain. Yeah. We need the pain. Yeah. It's we the greatest pain. teacher. The first time I ever went to a meeting was in 1992, and it's because for two years, 90 to 92, I was in prison. That was a drug beef. So you know, boop, you know, pee in the cup on parole, go to meetings and do all that. So, you know, I'm going to, man, that was the first time at AA meeting. I'm just like, yo, they weird, man. They're weird. You know? Yeah. All of them, right? <laughs> and this is a meeting right now. When two or more addicts come together, it's a meeting, you know? So it's just beautiful. Going back to spiritual synchronicities, right? You know what? what did he say, too? He also said, wherever two or more meet in my name, so there am I. Spiritual synchronicities. That's what's up. All right. So let's open up with that. And I'm going to still share everything I need to share in that. So before we, we, we press record, the brother was telling me of a story about where he used to get hot. Oh, yeah. All right. Being in. I don't know if you want to put that out there. That's why I ain't throwing it. I don't know. Go ahead. It's all good. Okay. I told them. I told them. They know. Okay, so he was basically telling me the story that he already told y'all about how he used to get high in Barnes and Noble, and that same Barnes and Noble said, "You know what? Ooh, book on shelf." And that's when I said spiritual synchronicity. 
And that's why I love to talk about that. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to develop content around that. So what do we mean? We got spiritual, we have synchronicity, right? When we have the word synchronicity and we break that down, something needs to be in sync. That's all it means, right? But when we speak about synchronicity from a spiritual perspective, it's the waves being thrown out there and the universe throwing them back. And what a lot of people are, 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 are what, what I am learning, let me say this, what I am learning is that when, when, when one of my favorite sayings is man know thyself. Been around for thousands of years, right? I don't know if the, the, the Greeks, you know, came up with it or the Egyptians, who cares, right? Man know thyself. One of the things that I always try to be on point about is when something sinks up. Something can happen last year and then the universal boomerang it back this year. If I'm on point, I see the synchronicity. But what is it? It is confirmation of something from the universe. It could be in a message from a television. It could be off TV. It could be from a movie. It could be in a conversation. It could be, it could be a thought I just had. And as soon as I have the thought and I'm in doubt, you say something to confirm either way. What are the chances? No. Spiritual synchronicities. You know, and, and, and going back to man know thyself and what, what am I talking about all together is we always send the messages out to the universe. I sent a message out to my higher power for years to please one day, don't turn your face away from me, but make sure that I come home. Make sure that I get sober. And it took from the time I got high, the very first time, up until the time that I got sober for all of these different synchronicities to happen until the one day that it locked in. That the message locked in here and here and here I am. And I, I don't think that I'm special. Like, I seriously think that every one of us goes through that. Whether you're sober or not, you cannot put something out into the universe and it come back void. It doesn't happen like that. It's going to come back to you, right? But if you're not ready for it, it bounces off of you. Or if, so I, I, I do a lot of writing on Medium and uh, I've really started doing like uh, just kind of like weekday motivational little Okay. I do a little thing, I, I do something relevant to my life, and then uh, I do a little motivational poem where each line starts with a, one of the letters from the day of the week. So, like, today I did Wednesdays, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and, uh, but my whole thing, man, my whole thing is uh, self-manifestation and self-actualization, man. Like, I don't know if you're hit to Dr. Joe Dispenza or not. That's this guy. Man, yeah. This I'm, guy. I'm not talking guy. to anyone. This guy. <laughs> uh, I love Joe. Yes. I love Joe. Uh, Who doesn't love yeah. Joe? But of course, go ahead. I'm on board. Dr. Joe's got a lot going on. Yeah. That dude does a lot. Yeah. He's a worker. He's, yeah. he, he's a grinder because he's got something that he's passionate about. Yeah. You know, that's like that's like the, the main man, Tony Robbins. You know what I mean? Like, like the, I don't know. I don't know. You said the main man. That's up for debate. <laughs> that what? Eric Thomas. Eric Tom, 
Listen, go ahead. In my humble opinion, right? Obviously, you love Tony. I love Tony too. I follow him on on, on, on LinkedIn. Eric Thomas, get up on him. Eric right. Thomas. All right, I'm gonna look him up as soon as. That's we all hang. I gotta say. As soon as we're done, I'm gonna look him up. That's all I gotta say. When it come, when it come, when it comes to you know top motivational speakers in my list, yeah. Eric Thomas, Tony Robbins, Les Brown, Evan Carmichael. Well, and you know what's so crazy about Evan Carmichael? Evan Carmichael, right, is not uh, 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 categorized as a you uh, as a uh, 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 motivational speaker, but because of his YouTube channel hmm. and his whole brand, that's what he is to me, right? Of course, I got his book, you know, Built to Serve. That's My Gary life. V. That's Gary V. Homeboy. He got Gary V. on the van of uh, on the banner of his YouTube channel. Like Homeboy, yeah. Those those are the guys I follow: Eric Thomas, Les Brown, Tony Robbins, and Evan Carmichael. The uh, sure the ma- the main man is no longer with us, Doctor. Mm-hmm. What you talking about, ZZ? <laughs> ZZ. Who you talking? Uh, Doctor Stephen Covey. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Kobe. Yeah. Respect. I have no. I have nothing. I have nothing. I have nothing from Kobe. Kobe in in in, in my library. Yes. Oh. I thought you. I thought you was gonna say Zig Ziglar. No, Zig's Zig's the man. He's the he Zig's the, Zig's all about the power salesman. Huh? He's all he's all about the 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 big corporate where where and like that's where Kobe got his start. Stephen Covey started with that. But here's the thing about the Colorado penitentiary system. I'm going I'm to I'm give you a lesson real quick. Uh, some inmates at a correctional facility called Fremont Correctional Facility in Canyon City in Colorado decided to build a program for inmates around seven habits of highly effective people. Ooh. And they had, because uh, the Department of Corrections, the executive director, the big chief, he started sending his guards to uh, Covey's workshops and saying, and saying like, uh, we need to, the times are changing. It ain't throw them in the cell, smack them around, tell them to act right anymore. You know what I mean? That's how it was coming up. You know what I mean? You you remember, you know what's up. And uh, I did three years, mind you, hold up. Just let me say this. Yeah. Out of the 10 years that I did, Three years consecutive, 23 and one, bro. I did three years, 23 hours in my cell. I so did you already two. know. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. So they created a whole workbook called, and a whole program called Seven Habits on the Inside. Ooh. So then the Covey Franklin Institute found out about it. And they said, hold on, man. You got these convicts in here trying to rep our stuff. Stephen Covey himself and Franklin, I can't remember his first name, uh, Dr. Franklin, mm-hmm. and Stephen Covey's son, Stephen Covey Jr., the one who's in charge now, they yeah. came and sat in for eight and a half or for 10 weeks because it goes through uh, the first week where you break off into groups and then you go through the seven habits and then there's the eighth habit and then there's the graduation. So it's, it's like 10 weeks. Okay. And, uh, they sat through them all and they were so impressed with what these gentlemen had done that now 
uh, there's like 15 or 20 state penitentiary systems that have developed their own programs based off of ours. And uh, when you graduate, you actually get a certificate of graduation from the Franklin Covey Institute that you are an actual graduate of Seven Habits uh, of Highly Effective People program. It's an amazing gift. Yes. This is what, uh, this is where my recovery, like kind of solidified. Cause I, I got sober in County jail and okay. I, I was in a really good therapeutic community with a good group of hard ass convicts who've done more time than I've been alive. And I'm 48. I just turned 48 last month. Okay. And, uh, there's a group of us sitting around in a room crying, talking about how our parents didn't love us or beat us or abused us or this or that. And watching Brene Brown videos, learning about how to be vulnerable and like listening to these gentlemen talk about finding forgiveness through changing your narrative, changing your personal story, transforming your trauma. Because yeah. I'm going to tell you what, uh, uh, I, we call God, God. Uh, we got real good relationships with JC but I believe that we believe that all paths lead to the top of the mountain. It doesn't matter what you believe, just believe, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, but, uh, when I was in there in the seven habits program, cause I, I did it later. I did it in, uh, 2016. And you wasn't, uh, you wasn't there when they were there. No, no. But the ex executive director for the Colorado department of corrections was the man who was running it when I did it, he, and he was the, the gentleman who had started it in Colorado. So okay. I was there with the original facilitator and I was actually in the last class with him. He had, a, he had a heart attack and chose to retire and just go live with his horses. Okay. Um, great gentleman. Great gentleman. I don't want to say his name cause I don't know if he wants yeah, to or not, but uh, when I was there, I don't know if you've ever heard of Weldon long, mm. uh, check him out on, 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 on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, he wrote a book called The Power of Consistency um, and uh, The Upside of Fear. But uh, he, he he speaks when he goes and he's a, he's a public speaker. When he goes and speaks to corporate, when he goes and does his retreats and stuff, or when he goes and speaks, he charges like five to $10,000 per person for like 50 to 100 people. And he donated his entire whole program to the graduates of my class and came and presented his whole thing. And hung out with us and had lunch with us and chilled with us mm-hmm. in the prison because his story started out in the Colorado Department of Corrections. Like, bro, spiritual synchronicity, man. I got him. I got him. Dude, yeah. he's reading my book right now. That's what's up. Yep. He told me when I was in there, he was like, I told him, I said, man, I'm going to write a book. I said, you've inspired me. Synchronous, that I yeah. almost missed that. Yep. And he said, <laughs> check it out, man. Okay. He said, when you write it, contact me, he said, because I want to read it. So when it finally published last month and I got my copies, I hit him up on LinkedIn. I said, what's up, bro? I said, you told me a couple months ago to send it. He's like, send it. But yeah, man, dude, spiritual synchronicity is how I met her. Okay. When I I got sober back in 2006, I had a great sponsor and uh, he's old school. Like Mm -hmm. by the time I went to treatment at two weeks, and I'm talking about two weeks detox. Okay. I was already on my fourth step. By the time I got out, no, he wasn't playing. I did 14-day um, intensive residential treatment. Mm-hmm. I got out. Two days after I got out, we fifth step, sixth step, seventh step. We sat down. We, made, we wrote an eighth step. I immediately, within a week, started my ninth step. At three months, eight, nine, I, and ten. I, 
dude, by three months, I was through the steps. Mm-hmm. And this kid comes up and he says, hey, man, will you be my sponsor? I said, I said, I don't know, man. I said, check it out. I said, I'll be your temporary sponsor. I said, hey, let me, I said, I don't even know if I could do that yet, man. Let me call my sponsor. <laughs> so I called my sponsor. I said, hey, man, uh, what's up, Raymond? I said, how will I know when it's time to be somebody's sponsor? He said, why? Who asked you? Tell him yes. <laughs> I said, well, man, I said, I said, the kid's only got like two days. And he's, I said, I only got like three months. He said, and right now he's trying to figure out how the fuck you put together 90 days. Right. Because he's freaking out right now. Right. So I put him right. on a speaker phone and he said, check it out, Rourke. He said, he said, Tommy, that's my old name, the name I was born with, my, my birth name. He, he said, is a great guy and he's going to help you. And if there's something that he can't help you with, then he's going to call me up and we're going to figure it out together. And if we can't figure it out, we're going to call my sponsor, who's been sober since 1967 and knew Bill Wilson, who knew Don Pritz. Who knew uh, Mickey Mustard, who's actually a friend of mine. I don't know if you know who that is, but I'm very proud to say he's a friend of mine. He's old school. He, he Him and uh, Don Pritz took the first meeting in the USSR. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but it, it's a lineage, so cool. you know what I mean? But when I did my fourth step, he had me write out my resentments, my fears, and my sex ideal. My, my, my sex uh, – um, so a sex ideal is – Sex ideal? Yes. Okay. So mm-hmm. um, you have your sexual stuff that you owe amends to or whatever where you act out. But then he wanted me to put together what I thought would be my perfect mate. Who would be my perfect woman? And when I got to the end of that and I read all that and I handed it to right. him, he was like, cool. He said, now when you have this, you'll find her. That was – Six Where and a half. Where are we going with this, man? Where are we took, going with this, man? That's six and a half years before I took my own life, and twelve years, twelve and a half years before I met her. Okay, that's what. That, thank you. All right. Okay. Well, I'm gonna tell you a real quick story about how we met. All right. Uh, I was, I, I was out about three, three and a half, three months out of prison. Um, I wasn't, I had taken a vow of celibacy years before, um, no personal pleasure, nothing because I was afraid to be alone. So I said, okay, I'm going to be alone. I'm going to be alone for real and just and be with me. And, uh, so I got out and my, a, a friend of mine had met the girl of his dreams on okay Cupid. And he was like, I was like, nah, bro, I'm not really into the online thing. And he's like, and I he, never, I never was successful on okay Cupid, man. Right. So <laughs> I didn't even make up my profile. He did. Mm-hmm. He created a profile and he sent it to me. And I was like, all right, man. I was like, fine. So I'm scrolling through and I met a couple people that were cool that would like friend material, but like I didn't really go on any dates or nothing. Mm-hmm. And I'm scrolling through one day and it's a small town, Loveland, Colorado. So I'm seeing the same women over and over and over again. Right. And I'm like, man, I don't want to talk to these women. And then I see her picture. And I'm like, whoa, who's this? Where's she come from? Right. So all right, all right. Messenger. I read her, I read her profile, and on there you can uh put movies or books or stuff like that that you that you like. Well, her and I both like to read like fantasy, sci-fi, modern sci-fi genre kind of stuff. And uh she had listed these books that she liked. So I messaged her. And the way OK Cupid works is if you message somebody, they disappear from your feed until they message you back. So there's no stalking or nothing like that. She didn't know that. I didn't so know I, that. No I, idea. I, I <laughs> no her. wonder. 
No yeah. way. I know. I'm like, how many guys <laughs> was I waiting to come right. back around and they just didn't? <laughs> so, like, ah, forget it. <laughs> cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I said, I said, there's two things I want you to know. First of all, I think you're stunning. I said, well, you know how this works. I said, so it's, the ball's in your court now. So if I don't hear, from you, hear back from you, I want you to know. I said, first, I want you to know I think you're stunning. I said, second. Good word. Good word choice. It was mm. Truth. Got to speak the truth. <laughs> and uh, I said, second, I said, if you don't ever listen to anything I ever say, I said, you should read these books. And I recommended The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan. So go ahead. Now you're going to get to hear her talk. So now tell your Please side. Do. So, so my part of that spiritual synchronicity story is that I had, I had had quite a bit of success on OkCupid, had a lot of dates, met some really good friends that I, a couple of people I'm still good friends with. And, um, but it, things had, things had gotten not so good. My last date I had gone on, he was um, a schizophrenic and very clearly schizophrenic. Um, and I just, it, that had been a Friday night and it was Saturday. I was at work and I was like, I'm killing my okay Cupid account. I'm done. I'm not, I'm he'll find me. We're both looking for each other. He'll find me. And I went to get on to kill my account. And there was one, not even a message, but a comment from him. And I was like, no way, man. So he had recommended those books. I have read those books except for the last two and um, have named one of my children after one of the characters in the book. So I was like, I am very familiar with these books. I love these books. I've named my daughter, you know, after one of these characters. I, I pronounce it differently because that's how I pronounced it when I was reading it. I pronounce it Nenevi. Okay. Um, yeah. On the show, okay. they pronounce it differently. Yeah, on the show, they pronounce it Nanaive. Yeah. Nanaive. 
Yeah, I like that. I like I like yours better. So we messaged back and forth, emailed a couple times on the app and then texted. And then the first time we talked, we talked for five and a half hours. Um that's when you know, listen, listen, I need to stop it. it. I need I to it. stop it. You knew love was real back in 84 when you was on the phone for five hours talking about no, you hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> it's, still yeah, yeah. it's still real, right? In the twenty-first yep. century, you gotta yeah. love it. Yep. And uh, I was a smoker. I smoked cigarettes. She had mm-hmm. told me that she had quit five years prior. And uh, we, you know, we talked about deal breakers, you know. And her deal breaker was I can't be with a smoker. So in my mind, I'm like, well, that's a pretty big deal breaker. That is, dude. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so we talked for five and a half hours the first night. Uh, Next night, we didn't talk really the next night um, because I was hanging out with some friends. But then, like, we agreed to go on a date Tuesday. Mm -hmm. We talked Monday, went on our first date Tuesday. uh, And uh, so I'm HIV positive. Uh, It's in my book. It's not a secret. I've been uh, a 20-year survivor. uh, And uh, this is my 20-year diagnosis. Whoa, I'm about to start a whole other conversation. (laughs) Yeah, we we hopefully Uh, talk about that. But uh, about your journey, like, like seriously, I, want, I I was afraid that if I didn't tell her right away, that I would chicken out and not tell her until it was too late. You okay. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Not. So I contacted my doctor, and she recommended some literature on some websites. So I put some links and wrote an email. And uh, when she walked up and we met first face to face for the first time, uh, when she was walking up, I hit send. And uh, because I didn't want her to read it before she got there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're a funny guy. Yeah, and it's uh, all about positioning. I promise. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, we went in and talked, and she cried when I told her, and I was like, "Oh shit, I blew it." But mm-hmm. uh, did I blow it? Mm-mm. I don't think so. She said, "You told me it was the bravest thing that anybody had ever done." Really though, really and, though, bro, I commend you. But I then, thought, but then, but I then, thought, I thought if this man can come and like lay his soul before me like this, yes. like I, I couldn't imagine a better place to start in a relationship. I love it. I love yep. it. Cause, yeah. cause that level, let's go back to being transparent, right? That level of transparency shows the spiritual growth that she automatically recognized because you heard what she just said. That's the nice place to start, bro. Well, <laughs> I, know what I'm working with. I know what kind of man that I'm working with from the beginning. Yeah. I love it. That's uh, That was our first date. Uh, she dropped me off at home. And uh, that night before I went to bed, I smoked my last cigarette. I was going to ask what's up with that. You, yeah. That was three and a half years ago. Uh our second date wow. uh, was <clears throat> was our the day we moved in with each other. Neither one of us had ever done it before. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was like it was just. I mean, there was no denying it. There's still no denying it. There's that whole when you get to that three month period when normally you know because you I, get bored. I mean, we haven't hit that period yet. I'm not bored. Know, Every day is an adventure. It is suggested that we wait at least a year 
before having relations. I didn't. But my situation, my story, I love for Sarah. She, you know, she just got back in and she's out there. My story, as far as me and my wife, it's 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 phenomenal, just like yours. And I don't want to take up any space. I want to finish in what y'all got to say about yours. But we definitely didn't wait a year. It wasn't even about. Oh, oh, oh wow. It's just. Okay, real quick. I went on Facebook dating. I was already in a relationship with my toxic ex. I was on a five-year binge back and forth with her, but did all kind of crazy stuff. When I got to the treatment facility that I was in, which was my brother's keeper in Morrow, Georgia, and I was also going to the Paula, uh, Paula Crane Life Enrichment Center for our treatment, but we stayed at, uh, you know, residential at my brother's keeper. So while I was there, my ex-girl like, kind of like came back in my life and I'm like, look, it's real now. It's real now. It's like, how many times you said it's real now? And I'm trying to work with her and I'm like, damn, I ain't getting the vibe that I need. I'm not, I'm in a treatment facility with a bunch of guys just like me. No one wants to be here, right? <laughs> so You know what I mean? And I ain't really got no friends. I need somebody to vibe with. So I go on Facebook dating and I made a profile and I said that. That I'm trying to get my ex-girl back. I'm in treatment. I'm in recovery. I just need to vibe with somebody. You know what I mean? And and my now wife was the one who responded to that. And we were friends. And it's because I'm, I'm complaining to her about dumb stuff that I'm going through with my then girl. And, you know, a, a matter of fact, no. When we got on the phone, by the time we actually got on the phone, on a video phone, me and the girl had broke up, but I was still complaining. You know how you vent going forward. Mm-hmm. And I really had, I really appreciated that about her, that she allowed me that because again, I was transparent, you know, on, on, on my profile. And I was like, nah, she's just too toxic. And next thing you know, I had to leave the program. I asked her to come pick me up so she could take me to a homeless shelter. We had just by then started dealing with each other so maybe by the time we was dealing with each other i think we was maybe like a month month and a half but i had to leave the program because me and the administrator of the program kept bumping heads you know how that go right so i was like i want to leave you know um if i gotta start over i start over because from the hospital i went to a place that i was already at called must ministries absolutely loved them but i was one month shy of being able to get their services again mm-hmm. you had to you know go through the you know and then you leave for a year if you need them again you come one month shy so um my counselor there paid for uber for me to go to sober living of america but they were getting high and i said there's no way i'm going to be going to work and paying you to live here and, and both of my roommates is high on, on heroin. I was like, nah, I got to go. So I wound up going to the Cab Crisis Center to check into that program. And that's all of that. <laughs> and that's all of that. Said all that to say spiritual synchronicities, right? Yeah. <laughs> all these winding roads. So how long, how long have y'all been together right now? We've been together since we consider the day we first day we talked that five and a half hour talk that was or no the day we met on online that's September twenty second, twenty eighteen. So three and a half years. Love it. 
Yeah. And they say they did. Well, how how much how much time did you have under your belt, respectively, when y'all met each other? As far as being sober, um, I had. She's not an addict. Um, oh, okay. See, I was yes. Uh, okay. She's uh, family. She's uh, she's Fine. into adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families. Okay. Uh, yeah, she comes from my a life. Lot. My life has been shaped by addiction in other ways. Okay. Active yeah. use. Yeah. Um, I have, of course, flirted along the way, like most adult children do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was so terrified of becoming my mother or my father that I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I had I had certain rules, and they they kept me safe. So, yeah. and yeah. then I, when I started having my children, I was just like, "There's no." Um, my my biggest wounding was from my mother and her choosing her addiction over me. So there was no way I was going to model that for my children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately, like like you had mentioned, you know, we keep coming back to these behaviors. It's not necessarily if you're using or not. Yeah. What determines if you're clean and sober or not? You know, it's it's how present are you? Where are you at? How are you? Yes, um, but, you know, so we, so we had this sober family life, but, um, you know, all the kids grew up, they all started doing smoking pot, doing drugs, you know, my husband at the time started doing stuff and I was like, well, okay, I guess we're doing stuff. Um, so I flirted and whatever, um, my, my adult children talk about their recovery. Um, they talk about it as emotional sobriety. Um, because we, we come to a place where we, um, take full responsibility for our own feelings and our own happiness and no one can alter that for us anymore. That's the hope that we can get there someday. Um, yeah, so my, my, my take is a little bit different. Um, it's strange though, how my whole life like prepared me for him and, um, synchronicities. Yeah. I told him, I, I've told him even I, if I hadn't have had five children, I would not have been ready for him. Yeah. 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 I'm a man child. <laughs> yeah. They mean, definitely wore off all my edges. Got I'm me a, ready for him. Yeah. I'm a grown ass kid. <laughs> but how beautiful, nah, you, bro, you're not alone. But how, <laughs> but how beautiful is that though? You know, we, we get to a point, you know, and I can't speak for you, but obviously I'm speaking for my brother, but we get, we get, well, you're human. Right? Mostly. I, I didn't want to put you in the category of a recovering addict, but we're, we're, what I'm about to say applies to all humans. I'm in recovery. Mm-hmm. And you are? It's considered emotional it's, recovery. Okay, thank mm-hmm. you. Because yep. you said emotional sobriety with your children, but you're, you're, okay, same thing. Yeah, in adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, they consider um, the emotional toxicity. Yeah. Like, like when two people have an interaction and you feel that adrenaline bloom in your body, mm-hmm. there are people who are so reactive to a, a toxic environment that they start to get hooked on those chemicals like adrenaline from yeah, fear or, yeah. or from excitement or, and it just becomes this toxic dance, you know, where we, we, we feel powerless in our situation, just like the addict, you know, where it's, it's a relational thing. We're, we're an addict just in a completely different way. I got you. I got you. Mm-hmm. I was a part of that too. Everything yeah. you can think. Yeah. Everything well, you and you know of. what? Most addicts did come from, most addicts are an adult child underneath. So. Oh, for sure. Yep. And so sure. that brings me, I wanted to ask you a question. Um, so I guess it's the serious part of the show. Uh, 
mm-hmm. you touched on earlier that um when you were living 15 minutes away from your ex-wife and your kids that it triggered abandonment issues from your childhood mm-hmm. which is if, if i'm not mistaken probably the underlying root causes of why you used to begin with why you felt oh, for the sure oh for so sure my question to you is have you and if so what have you done to heal that trauma to help you have balanced sobriety? Cause like I know, and, and I'm, and I'm a preface with this. I know for myself, mm-hmm. when I woke up from that overdose and a few months later, when my best friend is sitting through the glass on the phone telling me, Hey man, you've been doing this shit for almost three decades now. When are you going to quit jipping me out of your life? You know what I'm saying? That's when I was like, okay, I got to change my narrative. I have to, They say the definition of insanity is when you do the same thing, expecting different results. What do you call it when you do the same thing, knowing exactly what's going to happen? When, when I, cause like I would, you know, when I was. You're in a program, bro. Five years old. (laughs) First time I got out of the penitentiary in 1999, when I was 25 years old and I put that needle in my arm, I knew I was going back to prison. I knew I was not going to stop putting the needle in my arm. And every other time I used after that, I knew exactly what it was. That's why I took my life is because I, I was tired, bro. Yeah. I knew that I was never going to stop on my own. So when I, when I was in that therapeutic community, that TC program in county jail, I decided that if I was going to not use heroin again or not feel the need to use heroin again, to be in a place in my life where heroin was an option, mm-hmm. that I needed to dig and not stop digging until I was able to come to a place where I could sit with that little boy and yeah. be good. So what did, what steps have you taken in your sobriety to I appreciate that? Don't get back there. I got I got I got to say first and foremost, right? I'm at a point where it's like my relationship with my high power and 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 my sobriety, right? Dealing with these steps, dealing with forgiveness, dealing with resentment, dealing with. I'm at a point now, and I mean this with all my heart. A lot of people gonna think it's bull crap, right? But I know that y'all not, right? Listen, have you ever heard in the Bible where it says that no man can, no man, not excluding woman, that's how they used to write it, no human can come to God unless they realize that God exists within everybody. Just paraphrase, right? You have, to, so, you have to see the divine in the pro- profound and the profane. Yeah. And you have to know that the same God, see, and again, we're talking spirituality. We're not talking, you know, not, not, not talking to organized religion, none of that. We're just talking spirituality, right? I just don't think, I, I think it's impossible for, the God that exists within me, not to exist within other people. That's just me, right? And I don't mean the exact God, right? I mean that loving energy, that loving energy. That's what I'm talking about, right? So it's impossible for me to feel that loving energy and for you not to feel that loving energy. So what I mean by that is I honestly, going back to man know thyself and coupling it with the present you know, thought that you, you, you can't, get to God and say that I can't get to God and say, I have a relationship with him. If I don't see him 
and everyone else. That's just for me, right? Okay, so I had to preface it with that. Starting off with a spiritual baseline like that and then applying the steps gets us to the point where we can get some kind of healing going on, right? So when we're talking about abandonment issues for me specifically, I'm talking about with my mom, with my stepdad, with my dad. Beautiful part about it is my mom is going on 20 years clean and sober, right? Excuse me. Wonderful. Right? Mm-hmm. My mom was just on episode, I think, four or five of Part in My Reach, which is my sober video content. Me and my mom are getting ready to come together to do, a, and I don't know how to categorize it. We'll come together with some kind of terminology, but basically her and I are going to have a whole series of video content, you know, because awesome. we're both still healing. Check it out. But we're healed enough individually that we could come together and I cannot curse my moms out because I'm sober. That we could come together. You, you understand what I'm saying? And I cannot have to worry about looking over my shoulder about something that she did back when I was 10 years old and not know how to deal with that. So, you know, we're dealing with that. Actually, when we're done, me and my mom are getting ready to practice for our first episode. After we're done tonight, we're going to practice for our first episode because I haven't seen content like that. I like to always come up with content that, you you know what I mean? There's so many different slices in this thing right here. So many slices. So whatever you can add or whatever I can add, that might be a different little slice. Might help somebody out. And I haven't seen, ah, I haven't seen, how does this sound? Intergenerational sober content. Hmm? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. or I multi multi generational trauma like healing, or like, yeah, like that's amazing. That I especially like that. because it's trauma that you guys have shared. That's yeah. amazing to be yeah. able to come together and have conversations. That's going to be awesome for other people to see that. Yeah. So that's where. Thank you so much. But that's yeah. where I'm at as far as that healing is concerned. I love my mom. I'm sober now. How the hell am I sober now if I'm really sober and I can't understand all the shit that I went through because of her addiction back then? If I'm still pointing fingers and still mad at her, I need to start working on that shit, Mm -hmm. right? I need to start working on that shit because as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to be honest, right? When the light went on for me, when it turned on, a lot of shit turned on. A lot of other stuff that I was like, hmm, what's that about? What's that about? When the light turned on, right? That for me, there is a God for me that that God loves me for me that I individually am lovable. When that went off and the reason why I smoked crack is I didn't know I was worthy enough not to do it. So when these things happened for me, it became easier for me to start either mending our broken relationships or, and not and, not or, but and, um, it's easier for me to mend uh, 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 broken relationships. And it's much easier for me to start new healthy relationships because I have a baseline. You understand what I'm saying? I have a baseline of who I am, what my expectations are because of the relationship that I have with my high power. So every day I got to be who I'm supposed to be. And as I meet beautiful people who I believe are manifestations of God, then I'm able to come to the table with a spiritual baseline that says, hi, I'm Jeff. 
Like, hi, I'm Jeff. Yeah. Like, really, yeah. hi. Like, let me shake your hand. Give me a hug. I'm Jeff. Like, because you're not afraid anymore. You're not I afraid anymore. I was getting ready to say that. I literally was getting because ready to say that. You're all about transparency because here's the reality. When we got all these secrets, you know what I'm saying? I was raped as a 13-year-old. I had penises in my mouth from three to nine, from six to nine, you know, it wasn't by choice. I wasn't being like, Hey bro, can I, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Hit me on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was forced on me, but I was ashamed of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, when, like when I found forgiveness is when my narrative whole thing changed. And when I realized that, I stopped looking at my trauma as something that was done to me and something that was done for me because it's over. Then that shit's gone. What, what, what I held on to was my emotional response was my fear that, and like, you have to understand like the, the home that I came from, I was told, you know, I was a Husky kid. You know what I mean? Like I was told you're fat. You're stupid because I was always getting in trouble in school because I wanted attention. Like I was a scapegoat. I was the kid who got beat. Everything was my fault. My little stepbrother got everything. My older stepsister got everything. I got flea market toys at Christmas. You know what I mean? I got hand-me-down clothes. Like I was wearing bell bottoms. They got Nintendo and you got a Nerf ball. And you're like, man. Yeah, for real, right? And then, like, and like, it always seems to be one-player games. You know what I mean? Where, like, <laughs> I can watch him play or I can do my own thing, you know? And, like, so what I realized, <laughs> I realized it the first time. So, like, my epiphany was a two-part process. The first time I got sober, I was in the detox and, uh, my sponsor had got it approved by the head of the detox and my parole officer that me and a couple of the other guys there could go to his house for Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And it was the, uh, I don't even remember, man. Uh, I think it was like Jacksonville and, and Pittsburgh, maybe something like that. I don't even remember. It was 2000. Whoever they are, that ain't my sport. Yeah. Don't tell nobody, though. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> Yeah, I don't watch football either, man. I, it's funny. I had to ask somebody the other day who was in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, seriously. And uh, but we went to this house, man. And I'm still dope sick. I'm only like five days off a two and a half gram a day habit. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I, I was going through changes, and uh, I'm going in the bathroom every once in a while, and like sitting on the toilet and like having to like throw up at the same time because I can't even hold the drinks down that I'm drinking. But there's all these sober people and they're shooting pool and they're cooking food and they're having fun and they're like laughing and they're including me. Mm. I stunk and I was greasy and I'm shitting all over myself and puking all over myself. And they understood because they were all there. They had all been there. And these people, they started loving me. And I remember I went back to the detox that night and it was the first time in my adult life that I had got down on my knees and I prayed and I said, God, if you are for fucking real, please, Mm. please help me. I can't do this. And I woke up the next morning and it was the first time in my life that I'd ever had the thought that I don't have to get high today. Like, I don't have to get high. I don't want to get high, but I don't have to get high. And... I got sober for five years the wrong way. <laughs> I did everything the wrong way. 
And, but it brought me to where I am now. Now, when, so I realized that not only was there a God, but I was, I had been creating God in my image. When I was a kid and I got in trouble with my grandma, when she used to babysit me, she would make me roll up my pant legs and kneel in kitty litter and say the rosary. And like, so that was God to me. I was Catholic. So like, to me, like that was God kneeling in kitty litter, praying. My wife, my wife was Catholic. Mm-hmm. And so when that all changed, because when I first came to AA, AA was my higher power. And uh, the group, because I knew that if I went and got high, AA was going to be good. But if AA went away, I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do. Mm. And, uh, but then I, I developed a relationship with the God of my misunderstanding because I don't try to understand God. I have no need to try to understand God. Like if it's like when people like I used to be like, I used to get mad. I'd be like, man, fuck you, God. And they'd be like, oh, <laughs> you can't talk like that. I'm like, no, I can't talk like that because that's the relate because there's nothing that I can say that's going to emotionally affect the God of the universe. <laughs> that's like going to be like, Oh man. Yeah, like, Oh really, bro? That's how you're going to talk to me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, really? You're going to let me get a dick in my mouth. You know what I mean? Like we can, we can keep score if we want to, you know what I mean? But like you had talked about people kept telling me early in relation, early in recovery for like the first year and a half that like, Oh man, like God don't make deals. God don't make deals. You can't bargain with God. You can't bargain with God. And then I was asked to be a guest speaker at uh, Colorado Conference of Young People in AA. And, uh, and I, I did a whole speak about that's bullshit. From the time I was six years old and that woman beat me for the first time until I got clean the final time, at least I thought then, I had been making deals with God. God, if you sure. get me out of this, I swear yeah, to God, yeah. I'll stop. I swear to God. Yeah. If you let this yeah. dude not shoot me, if you let this dude yeah. not stab me, if no, you let no, 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 if you let me get out this trunk, something. <laughs> if you let me, I will. Please. Yeah, it's like it's like remember the old ad libs where you used to fill in the verbs and the adjectives and shit. Like that's how my prayers were. It was the same thing every time. Like, oh my god, please, if you get me out of blank, I will stop doing blank for such yeah. amount of blank time. Yeah. And uh, straight line. God always got me out of it. Because I'm here. So I, oh, he always got me out of it. And then when the time was right in his time, because I don't know if you're hip to the poem, The Desiderata, but it says to be cool, man, because whether we can see it or not, everything is happening and happening as it should. Exactly. Like everything exactly. is exactly how it's supposed to be, because if it was supposed to be any other way, that's how it would be. Then it wouldn't be that way. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So when – my best friend was on the other side of the glass and he was like, man, when are you going to quit jipping me out of your life? Like I realized there's nothing that I could do to make this fucking man stop loving me. Wow. Like, what is it? There's got to be something. There has to be something inside of me that this dude sees, that this woman now sees, that my friends who've stuck around seen, that the counselors who didn't give up on me, the parole officer who didn't give up on me. You know what I'm saying? Like there has to be some value in here. That when I was, because I was, I'll go into that story sometime on the podcast. We'll have a talk about angels. But I was greeted by, I believe they were versions of my highest self, past lives, uh, that were there and angry at what I had done and forced me back. And so that was my mission. My mission became to understand and try to know this love that God is because all of the religions tell you 
God is love. To know God is to know love. So like what higher fucking purpose could there be in life than to know love? And so when I was the most and when she was the most in need of love by the people who were supposed to love us the most, Mm -hmm. but did the most harm, Mm -hmm. nobody spoke up for us. You know, like I, I commend you for what you're doing on Instagram with your mission about the, and I don't want to get the name wrong, but the place in Georgia that you're trying to raise money for, uh, you want to give My them a family, shout-out. Georgia what? Council of Substance Abuse. There you go. Give them a shout out. I'll make sure that stays in <laughs> the edit process. Uh, yeah, sure. We are trying to work with at-risk teens and young adults transitioning out of foster care or kids that are already that is- homeless. Rex, Rex. That, that is my market. That is my vision as I go forward. I just want to say that. That's it. Go ahead. No, that's that, us too. Like we're trying to put together, like right now, I'm trying to get into going into high schools and middle schools. Yes. Because I was in middle schools shooting heroin. I was in high school with Everclear bottles of maraschino cherries. You know what I'm saying? So I could keep a buzz between class. You know what I mean? Like I know. And I was a drug dealer. I was... 18, 19, 20, 21 years old selling to Boulder High kids. Mm -hmm. So I, you know what I'm saying? Like I know it from all aspects. I got kids now, you know what I'm saying? Thanks to this beautiful queen. I have children now that I get to be involved in their life and I get to see them. You know what I mean? Our youngest daughter just decided to quit smoking on her own. She started smoking on her own and she decided to stop on her own. And now she's doing really good. She don't even think about it anymore. She quit smoking pot on her own. She's decided that she wants like things for her life. And I'm like, holy fuck, like, am I somehow involved in like, you know what I mean? Influencing this child to have a good life. You know what I mean? It's so humbling, bro. It's so humbling. And like, you know, like, so I just want to know what love is. Like the man said, I want to know what love is. You know what I mean? And like my prayer to God is I want you to show me in every possible way. You know what I mean? And like, that's why we decided to, that's why the book is called No Love. That's why this, the podcast is called No Love. Uh, I didn't really understand what love was until I met this woman. Mm-hmm. I thought I did. I thought I did. I really thought I did. But it's like every day it's an adventure, man. I Tell the you. people where to find you. Instagram, Sober Slogans. Facebook, Sober Slogans. TikTok, Sober Slogans. And the reason why Sober Slogans is because. There it is. Sober yeah. Slogans. Y'all see it? Yes, yeah. sir. So I'm just blessed. I'm blessed. We're blessed. Sarah and I are blessed. We have we have 45. I think it's a little bit more. I think it's like 47, but I know for a fact. 45 five-star Amazon reviews. Ew. No paid advertisement, all organic, no swaps, no, no none of that stuff. You know, um, and it's about seven recovery miles that we speak about, right? It's intrinsic within the language of recovery. Keep coming back. One is too many. A thousand is never enough. One day at a time, 90 meetings in 90 days. Principles before personalities. My favorite, recovery is a journey and not a destination. And then the last chapter is, thanks for letting me share, right? So these (laughs) these are the seven recovery models that assisted me. Like I said, I'm 49. For 32 years, I was getting high. So, you know, it's, it's been a long road, right? But honestly, I've always been a writer. I've always been a lover of words. And those words spoke to me. 
So when I was at one particular meeting, even though I've been going to meetings since 1992, when I was at one particular meeting in 2020, it really hit me. Keep coming back. Thanks for letting me share. One day at a time. Principles before. Whoa. Maybe because I love words. Maybe because I'm a writer that I could, I could probably like use this stuff to help me because I know that there's power in words, right? I'm a writer. <laughs> I know this. And maybe, maybe instead of, you know, having a misunderstanding of how to get sober and how to maintain sobriety, I can jumpstart my sobriety by understanding the spiritual principles that underlie these recovery models because they are positive affirmations. That's all they are, okay? You don't have to be in recovery to be able to empower yourself by saying one day at a time. You could have never had an addiction whatsoever, but your boss is getting on your nerves, right? And she's dragging you through the mud about something you know you ain't even do, but one day at a time. You can also say to yourself, principles before personalities, because principally, I need this damn job. And even though her personality is getting on my nerves, I'm going to respect the principle of the situation. You know what I mean? So it's like, and and, and yeah. that person never had to get high. So these recovery models or sober slogans, if you will, underneath them, they're positive affirmations. And anyone who knows about positive, positive affirmations knows that positive affirmations does what? What the brother been saying the whole, the whole episode changes the narrative, right, Rex? Yep. Positive affirmations changes the narrative. Oh, I'm not good enough. You change that to, I am a child of God. That's right. Oh, I'll never get my business off the ground to, I have a passion now. Yep. To, I got to drive. Now I got drive. Yeah. These yep. simple, these simple things that we say to ourselves on a daily basis, because we say a lot of stuff to ourselves underneath the current. All right. You have us being conscious right here, being fully awake and knowing what we're thinking. And then we have things that they run under the wave. Those are our subconscious thoughts. And they're just repeated patterns. That's all they are that run under the, 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 the regular thoughts. But then we got the ones that run under. Right. When we get into the habit of using positive affirmations, then we start with the what? The visualizations that you were talking about the self-manifestations. So that's what it's about. That's what the book First is. First thought, then it's word, then it's action. That's you'll what never, it's about. You'll 100%. never think you're, but they say you'll never think yourself in the right, a- or what is it? You'll never think yourself in the right action, but you can act yourself in the right thinking. Right living. That's where the whole right thing. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. I heard yeah. that. A couple of different ways, actually. Yeah. A couple of different uh, ways. And it's well, all- Jeff, I'm going to let you go. I want to thank you for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your story. I love talking with you. Now, we're definitely doing it again. I'm, I'm serious. For sure. I'm serious. We definitely got to do it again. And when it's over, we'll follow up, et cetera, et cetera. All right? You want to say anything? Thank you so much, Jeff. Yeah. It was a pleasure to meet you. It was yeah. a pleasure Thank to meet you. you. I, I, I'm, I'm, you'll see. I'm very serious. I'd love for us, all four of us, to have a chat. Yeah, really. For sure. I would, too. I appreciate you. Send, uh, um, send me the link. I will. Do you have the link on your IG or where to get your book from? It's on there? Uh, it's in my uh, link tree on the pro- on my, tree. On my profile, yep. 
All right. I'll check you out. Uh, it's Keep cheaper going. to buy it on Amazon. Barnes and Nobles is $2 more and I get the same royalty on both. You know how that go. Yep. <laughs> you know how that go. Oh, go ahead. Let's, let's finish this. We'll speak. We'll speak. I'll text right. you. Much yeah. love, brother. All right. Take care. My mom, I'm sorry. Thank yeah. you. Don't worry about that. Thank you. <laughs> you have a good Bye-bye. night. Bless All you. Hi. Right. Thanks for listening to the show today. If you or anyone you know is in need of help, please feel free to reach out to us at our website, nolovepodcast.com, or follow any of the links in the show notes. You're not alone. You don't have to face anything alone. There is help. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.